Hey, patrons, welcome to your bonus podcast for episode 290. Uh, this is from the archives. I did this interview that you're about to listen to with Ryan Patey, who is the guest on the main 290 episode. I did this interview way back in July, and then other podcasts came up and other guests. And by the time I got back around to this episode, and as you know, I've been sort of dragging my feet on a lot of things. Thank you for your patience with that. Um, by the time I got around to really being ready to put up his interview, because he put out the book and all this stuff, I was like, oh, this is way old now. <laughs> and we should just do it again. So what you heard was the doing it again interview. This was the original one we did back in July. And we were talking a lot about Facebook and his problems and our mutual problems with promoting our work on social media and a bunch of other stuff. So I honestly don't even remember what we talked about J uh, July to August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May? No, March, April. Nine months? Was it really nine months ago? I'm... That's terrible. <laughs> Let me see. Um, yeah, it was July 29th. Oh my God, that's awful. I feel so bad that it was sitting there forever. I'm so happy we redid it. But anyway, here it is <laughs> from July 29th, 2019, deep in the archives of MikeyPod. Um, here's an interview with Ryan Patey. But first, how the hell are you doing? I'm honestly struggling a lot of the time with um, either completely dissociating and being super pissed off like I was last night because I went to the store and I just wanted to get basic stuff and I was freaking out about um, about getting infected I'm so happy this is like low-key. Oh. I'm so happy this is low-key um, <laughs> inner circle podcasting because everything's going crazy. But how are you doing? Like right now I feel pretty good. I'm making myself get up and do things. Like I, like, I was just so upset last night after just like I just I had it in my mind I'm like oh if I could just get my creamer if I could just get the silk original soy creamer for my coffee everything will be fine and I went to the store I got some other stuff and they didn't have it I got some other kind and it's fine it's fine it's not a big deal but it's those weird little points of comfort that like I really like making my coffee every morning and drinking it with this creamer can I just have my creamer please um, but no, I can't. <laughs> and um, it's also really scary just to go to the store um, because everything's like weighing down. So I don't leave my apartment much, which most of us aren't. Um, yeah, so I feel okay today. Making content for you guys really helps. Um, so I'm going to just stay on the momentum with that as best I can while also giving myself a break. And I hope you are too. And I hope you're giving yourself time to sort of feel what it feels like to be in this worldwide crisis like it just feels so surreal that even saying that feels like I have to be exaggerating I must be exaggerating when I say there's a worldwide crisis but I'm not like this is really happening so I'm probably gonna survive we're all probably gonna survive maybe <laughs> like some people aren't that's it's so weird <sighs> so anyway let's enjoy this interview from January from July 29th 2019 and um honestly let me know how you're doing I'm gonna try to get more connected on Patreon because 
I've been avoiding, I keep starting to go into it. I've been avoiding social media, like being too connected on social media because I just feel like I've gotten burned a lot and I've kind of jumped into some uh, drama that would have been best had I stayed out of it and I'm feeling betrayed by people and I'm feeling excluded from other cliques and it all is gross and I don't like it. But Patreon is a safe place because you guys all want to be here and you believe in what I'm doing. So uh, why don't I try to be more active here just on Patreon posts and I'll put up some videos and maybe we can do live streams together. Let me know if you want to do any of this stuff um, because I like it. And like some people have left Patreon completely understandably so. It's a big time of financial um, question marks. Uh, so if you're one of those people that actually has to go soon and you're listening to this, I get it. And everything's going to be okay. Like every, every, I'm going to be taken care of. Um, I'm lucky, luckily, and I'm renting an apartment from a friend who I like help out with things around the house because she needs it. Like, I, I'm gonna be okay. So, if you need to get out of Patreon, go. And if you have a Patreon page, <laughs> let me know and maybe I could help you out. Like, I believe in this platform and I also believe in communities around art, and um, that's all of that. So, yay, <laughs> I think I'm learning some new stuff and all this. Let me know how you are is the moral of that story. Here's the interview, unedited and a little not great quality, um, but I hope you enjoyed anyway with Ryan Patey, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Oh, hey, it's me again. I was wrong. That was not the date of this interview. It's from November, which is still a long time ago, but not as long ago. Uh, the end. This is from November 2019. Okay, enjoy. Ah, this is such a terrible intro, but I hope it's terrible in all the best ways. Uh, okay, thanks for being here. Joining me now on the podcast is Ryan Patey. He's the creator of Tofu Magazine and awesome, wonderful like YouTube videos and a lot of different stuff. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> that was a weird introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always I'm always a little like oh no they're not awesome like but uh, you know that self-deprecating thing that I think everybody does right like, yeah yeah we're, we're our own worst enemies and I want to stop saying the word awesome because it's like it's lost it's lost its meaning Ryan you think so <laughs> I think I I it's I say it a lot I I'd like yeah. to diversify a little I bit. mean I still use it and I I mean I still use cool. Like, I feel like that one had some pretty long legs on it because, I mean, that one or maybe I'm just using it. I don't know that it's not cool anymore. I think it's still okay. <laughs> I think it's okay. Yeah. I mean, have you talked to the kids about it, though? Like, I'll have, talk have you asked the kids? I'll talk Are to them. Are they using I, it on TikTok? <laughs> um, I will find out. I teach at a theater school on Saturdays, and there are some high school kids, and they are okay. not afraid to tell me if I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> have you... um? Speaking of, I, mean, I guess it's because of TikTok and this, like, sort of not afraid to, you know, tell someone they're an idiot. Have you watched any of the, um, well, have you seen the uh, the Patriot Act? No. Like, I'm going to butcher his name. Hassan Minaj, I think. Um, or Minhaj. He, there's so many points where he talks about how his name should be pronounced. I should know it. Um, well, he does. It's just like sort of your late night talk show, but it's on Netflix. Um because he was a correspondent for The Daily Show, and now uh -huh. Netflix picked him up. But he does these, like, sort of like uh, how Trevor Noah does the between-the-scenes thing. He does, um, 
I think they're called deep cuts and they post them on YouTube, but basically he just takes questions from the audience and they just tear them apart. Like so many times they'll just be like, what's up with all your hand movements? What are you wearing those pants for today? And like, how much gel do you use in your hair? And he just gets like, just torn apart. And it's hilarious because they're just like, they're just so mean. But I mean, you know, it's kind of like in a loving way. <laughs> but he he did a bit on like TikTok and other things. And he's just like, at points, he's willing to be like, I'm out of the loop here. I have no idea what you're talking about. And some like 19 year old girl was there in the audience. And she told him about how much she loved TikTok. And she got up on stage and did this dance that I guess is a big thing on TikTok now. And I don't know. I was just like, I have no idea what's going on. I just know that the Sorry. only reason I know about TikTok is because people are worried about China, like spying on everyone. And otherwise, I know nothing about it. I just know it's really popular, I guess. Uh, but you, hopefully the kids still say cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best old man sounding like stream of consciousness I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, it was only like, what, last year I was back home in Canada and my sister and I, we were hanging out with our cousins and we took some pictures. It was a family reunion and my sister was like, oh, that'll be, that'll be a good one for Facebook. And her cousin was like, Facebook? No. He's like, we use Snapchat or something like that. And I kind of knew that. Like my sister's on Snapchat and she was big into it uh, when we were traveling. But now I can't even reference that because I don't even think that's cool anymore. So, yeah, I definitely – and I, I'm going to pull in even more of an old man thing because I think now, back in my day, things didn't move as fast. I think, like, <laughs> things were cooler for longer. <clears throat> yeah. So I think now I feel like, you know, two months later you're older than maybe my parents would have felt, like, after five years because it's all just like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, because things can – everyone learns it faster, so then it gets – Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, we watched, uh, I watched, he's just not that into you last night. Um, I mean, I'd seen it before, but it's funny when I also, I watched, uh, I, for some reason I sat down and watched Will and Grace, like the original, cause I'd never really watched the whole thing. And, um, I know like culturally they kind of have, you know, a bit of a, a standing. I mean, I definitely, to look at it now, it did not, it sort of aged well a bit, but they definitely threw like everyone else under the bus of like the LGBTQ community to kind of <laughs> promote like the gay community. Uh -huh. um, but to watch like between that and friends, it's funny to see how like technology kind of seeped in. Cause like for the first while they're like checking their answering machine and then later in the series, like maybe they have cell phones <laughs> and in uh, he's just not that into you. At one point they're talking about, it's, it's all about dating. Right. And they're talking about like, how hard it is now because like you can get text messages or maybe he'll call your cell phone or your home phone or maybe he'll myspace you or whatever and in my head i was like oh my god it's so much worse now like they're talking about well, what's it mean if he myspaces you like is that a booty call like why didn't he text you or uh -huh. if he leaves an a thing on your machine like what does that mean compared to a phone call and like can't we meet in real life and i'm like oh oh girl you don't even know what it's like now like yeah <laughs> you know i mean imagine talking to them talking to that group about like tinder they'd be like what oh what shit 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, I started... Well, I, I need to stop saying I'm new to dating because I've been dating this guy for, like, uh, almost a year and a half, I guess. That's super Oh, exciting. wow. Cool. But I hadn't dated for literally 20 years. Like, I'd been on, like, mm-hmm. a date or two here and there with people. But then I liked this guy, and we were, I was like, okay, so we're really dating. Like, oh, shit, what are the rules, like, with texting? <laughs> Am I supposed to, like, do I, is it too soon to send a heart emoji right now? Like, there were so many things that I was like, <laughs> I don't want to get this wrong. <laughs> but but um, I figured it out. But it's that thing. Like, there are so many things that it was just like, I don't even, do I, how, when do I request, like, make a Facebook friend request? I, oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like, I mean, at what point does the the status update come into play, right? Like, I mean, that's the new, you know, that's like an extra step before should we move in together or could I leave a toothbrush at your place? It's like, <laughs> so are we going to like, is this a Facebook status thing? Like, are we at that point? Yeah. And it's like, oh, don't, don't rush it. I mean, whoo. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I'll have you know to- we're not at that point yet. <laughs> <laughs> he prefers to take things very slow <laughs> but um to segue maybe into something we had talked about talking about um as long as you keep in mind now that facebook and i believe whatsapp are going to start censoring the emojis that you get to use in, in a specific order have you heard about that no okay so i think it all has to do with this uh i might Forget this too. The FOSTA, SESTA, like the the sex worker online platform sort of stuff that happened. I think it was within like the last year or so. Um, they they changed the rules and this. You know, they had sort of. It's the whole thing that happens when you talk about sex work. The argument was to try and prevent trafficking, but obviously people who are involved in it, you know, in a more legitimate way, kind of got screwed over. So they sort of changed the rules about how online platforms uh, that are seen as like providing a way for people to solicit sex or whatever would get sort of punished as well so it kind of put a chilling effect on a lot of things and i guess recently facebook and because they own whatsapp and instagram have declared that they're going to start censoring the use of certain emojis like say uh, i think it's the banana one and the little like the little raindrop whatever oh yeah um, so if they're used in a certain order, which I mean, I don't think I need to explain it, but if you're in the 2019 dating realm, you probably know the order. If they're used in a certain order, like on an Instagram post or like on a Facebook post or a thread or whatever, then that could be seen as like a suggestive sexual thing, which because of this sort of new rules and everything, Facebook doesn't want to be seen as promoting this sort of thing. Right. And since they since they can't really specifically tell, oh, is this just two people flirting with each other or is this someone, you know, offering sex for money, then they're just kind of talking about doing like a blanket, you know, if that gets flagged by their bots or whatever, then pff, maybe the comment will get deleted or whatever. So I don't know how deep they'll go and say in terms of, say, like a WhatsApp private conversation, but it's. It's a weird world, man. Like you yeah. can't even use a banana emoji talking about it maybe being, you know, it's raining, but I'm going to go pick bananas. I mean, if you want to talk about that, you can't. Some, something about the way you said that, though, gave it a, <laughs> gave it a tone. <laughs> we, should, we should talk about, like, there's a bunch of Facebook stuff that we we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to segue backwards. <laughs> into what <laughs> Tofu Magazine is, just in case people haven't heard. And then, I, oh, cause, okay. yeah, because 
part of what we're here about, oh listeners, is <laughs> being creators trying to promote our wares on the internet mm-hmm. and how challenging that can be. So yeah. the wares that you're promoting, that sounds so weird, <laughs> are Tofu Magazine. Can, and it's the thing that brought us together. So can you, <laughs> can you tell, me, tell, tell us about just what Tofu Magazine is? I mean, I feel like maybe ice cream is what brought us together, really. Yeah, and it was on my 40th birthday, P.S. So it was really? About, yeah, it was about 10 years ago. Wow, yeah, Facebook's been, um, speaking of social media, you know, the Facebook memories, like, I go back through that, and, yeah, I'll see posts related to, like, the first Tofu tour or whatever. Um, But before I start rambling about that and, you know, making myself sound even even older, um, (laughs) yes, what I I do is a a vegan magazine called Tofu. Um, It's it's like a download-only kind of thing. I've been doing it since... I guess like 2007. So it's over like 10 years now. Um, and it, it tends to focus on like a pro intersectional kind of anti-oppression idea. Um, so it's not like recipes and celebrity interviews. It's more like, well, the latest issue is about capitalism, which I think is ironic as well that we're talking about trying to sell our wares and everything. Um, so it focuses on capitalism and how that's obviously veganism has kind of became like, it's becoming more and more mainstream and I wanted people to talk about, like, obviously there are some good things to that, but then there's obviously some downsides. And, you know, there's no easy answers in the issue. And pretty much most issues I put out, there's never, like, an easy answer to it. But it's I usually, I try and have each issue push certain topics that I think we need to talk about in the idea that, like, just being vegan is sort of one part. And with the magazine, it's kind of the foundation. Like, I'm not pitching veganism it's like i assume you either know about it and understand it or you are and from there okay let's talk about all these other things that you know overlap or intermingle or if you're going to say you're a compassionate being then this is stuff you should be compassionate about as well um it's also available in a pay what you can format because and i've been doing this for a long time it's not just for the capitalism issue but uh, i just didn't want people to be limited in like terms of financial access, because obviously there are some people who maybe can't afford whatever, say like $5 for a magazine. Um, I mean, they still have to be able to access the internet, which people might scoff at that. Cause if you're listening to this, you probably can access the internet, but that is a problem in, a, in many parts of the world. And, uh, the Patriot act actually did a piece on how internet access in the States is still a pretty limiting factor for a lot of people. So, uh, yeah, again, I could go on about other things, but, uh, I think maybe that's, that's enough for your backwards segue. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I get, I have, a, I have a question about the print mm-hmm. because it used to be, did you, in the beginning, did you print all the, uh, I almost said episodes issues? Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, well, the magazine itself started, uh, I was actually doing, um, a music festival. I did an outdoor music festival uh, that started as a form of protest because the restaurant slash venue that I was at got sort of told by the local liquor board that we couldn't do all ages shows because the minute we had music, it was uh, a lounge atmosphere, which was conducive to dancing and drinking and minors shouldn't be there. And is this whole bullshit thing. Um, 
So I decided to do a big free show outside of town hall to protest it. Uh, before the show happened, they turned around and we came to a compromise, but I continued to do the show uh, by, I think, the fourth one or the fifth one. Uh, one of the ways I thought to raise money was uh, my partner at the time was vegan, and I think two of the youth that volunteered with the music festival were vegan. So I said, oh, let's do like a cookbook. Um, they, we printed them and they sold pretty well. I mean, this is all like within the city of Halifax, um, Halifax, Nova Scotia, by the way. I think there is a Halifax in the States. Um, or no, maybe it's in England. Anyway, um, so this is all within the city. They sold pretty well. Like We sold it like a little organic local grocery store and a couple other like cafes and stuff. Um, and then we did a Christmas themed one. And then my partner did a, a, a vegan dining guide to Halifax. Uh, and then eventually, for some reason, we felt like a magazine would be the next obvious step. Mm -hmm. um, and it was partially inspired by Herbivore, like Herbivore Clothing Company. Way back when, they actually did a magazine as well. Um, and so we were really big fans of that. Like she actually had it, you know, she had a subscription. It would get delivered to us. And uh, so, yeah, we printed um, the first three issues, I think. Well, yeah, the tour that we met would have been uh, partially to promote the third issue. And, yeah, so I think that's why I was at that ice cream shop was I was dropping off some copies because New York was the last stop before I went back over the border. And I just didn't want to be dragging them along with me. So I was like, oh, the hell with it. I'm just going to put them out at different places in New York and maybe people will find them. Um, but, yeah, after that, it just got... It just became too costly. And now because like I'm full time, like I'm a full time traveler, it's just, you know, I mean, I would like to go back to print and I set up a Patreon campaign to try and do that. Uh, and I ran a Kickstarter and successfully crowdfunded like an anthology. So uh, issue 10 was kind of like a best of like I picked my favorite pieces from the first nine issues and did a, a print of that. Um, and that sold out and it was it was done well. But um. Like by the time the whole thing was over with, I mean, I spent so much on shipping that I didn't make a lot of money off of it, but it was still really nice to hold like a physical thing. Yeah. Um, it's just like, well, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you know as well, right? Like to go and say, put your MP3s up on Bandcamp or whatever, like obviously there's your studio time and there's your like own blood, sweat and tears that go into it, but you don't need to worry about this like physical production of okay, am I going to do like a thousand copies? Oh, if I want to do, do I want to do vinyl? Will anyone buy that? Like, I mean, obviously now there's at least say with crowdfunding and everything, you can kind of do like a pre-sale. So it's not as risky, right. but like that whole sort of physical inventory, as much as I very am like a collector, it's just, it's so much more of a risk. <laughs> right. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I mean, I I would love to go back to print, but the Patreon campaign has kind of like gone pretty quiet. And now because of the way Patreon, well, because of the way I set it up, like it's not a monthly payment thing. Like my Patreon campaign is only only if I print an issue because they don't they don't allow me to say only charge one level. So I have people that did like a digital subscription, like on the lower level. And then the rest of them are all paying for print, like delivery in the States or Canada or whatever. And so because I, whenever I put out a digital issue, I can't charge any of these Patreon or these patrons. 
So I think maybe in the new year, uh, depending on where I decide to go with the magazine, I might shift that whole Patreon platform so that it's actually just like the digital thing. Um, and then when people sign up, it'll be like, okay, I'll give you a dollar for every digital issue. I'll give you $10 or 20 or whatever. Because in a way, like I have this sort of revenue source that people have kind of pledged to me, but I'm like, I, I'm getting nothing out of it. And people are also confused. Like, I don't know. I, it's funny because people ask me, they're like, oh, well, have you, you know, are you charging me through Patreon? And I'm like, well, aren't you checking your credit card? Like, <laughs> you know, you would see if I was. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting world. I think I would like to go back to print, but in another way, like, thankfully we have all these other platforms where like, you know, I mean, I had someone from Romania, like, uh, I think yesterday, the day before downloaded the issue and I have no idea how they heard about it. Like in no way have I been promoting the magazine in Romania, like, I haven't run Facebook ads or anything like that, so I don't know. <clears throat> that don't that know is that. interesting. Yeah, and I mean, so that, like, it's kind of cool. And I mean, again, this kind of gets maybe back into, like, you know, all these platforms and the pros and cons of them, right? Like, the reach that you have is great. Like, I mean, sure, the magazine sold well physically, but, like, if we want to ship some copies to Herbivore in Portland, like, it cost us a bunch of money. And when, if they didn't sell, they just kind of sat there and we just lost money. Whereas when I posted digitally, I'm like, okay, it's up online. Practically anyone with internet can access it. It doesn't cost me anything. And I can wake up in the morning. Like I made someone, someone ordered like the whole set for like $10 at some point last night and I was asleep. So I'm like, you know, it's, it's not so bad. Yeah, that's cool. So let's, let's talk about, um, what, because you had some things go down on Facebook. I think it's really uh, pertinent to what you and I do and probably what some people who are listening to us yeah, yeah. do. Um, I mean, I guess it kind of, well, like I said, it sort of relates to this Facebook and WhatsApp and like censoring and everything. Um, I mean, I was going to say, obviously, there are some lines that you know if you cross them, like you're probably going to get shut down online. Um, but with the things Facebook and everything has been saying, apparently in some cases that's not true because there's definitely <laughs> groups out there that are thriving on Facebook and Twitter and whatever and not getting uh, shut down. Um, no, so what happened for me, uh, I'm still actually not 100% clear because I've pushed Facebook several times to try and get an answer and uh, they best the best they can tell me is that I violated the community policies and that I should review them to make sure that, you know, I don't do it again in the future. Uh, however, I've been running the page for, I mean, it's over a decade now. Like I was, I had Facebook pages back when, you know, when I was doing the music stuff. So it was well over like 10 or 12 years ago. And I've never had like any red flags or anything like that. Um, I posted one video on YouTube, I think was a discussion about racism and veganism. And it got flagged, I'm pretty sure, because of the word racism in the title. Mm-hmm. Um, but with YouTube, they have like a three-strike sort of policy. So on the first strike, they uh, they limit some of the things you can do. Um, and I think they remove your uh, the ability for the video to be monetized, which I'm not making money off YouTube anyways because they changed the requirements for that, and I'm nowhere near uh, meeting them. 
But all it took was I just wrote them. I said, hey, could you review this again? I think it was a, you know, an error like in your automated system or something. And I think within like a day, maybe even less, like the, you know, the strike was gone and I was back to like fully accessible. You know, I could do whatever I used to be able to do on my platform. Uh, however, with Facebook, um, basically what happened is I, I've been trying to promote the new issue because I released it at the beginning of November. And so I've been like just pretty heavy on like posting things and trying to engage with people and like trying to get stuff to sh shared and everything. Uh, and it's been going pretty well. Uh, I've got a fair bit of traffic. Um, and so what it was, I guess, like a week and a bit ago, it was like late Saturday night. Uh, I went onto the page. I hadn't received like an email or a message in my like Facebook inbox or anything like that. I went on the page and there was just this big red like rectangle that said like your page has been restricted. Uh, none of your posts will be shown in the news feed. This restriction is temporary and will last for a week and will be removed uh, Saturday at like 11.08 p.m. And that was it. There was a button that said learn more and a button that said appeal. When I clicked on the learn more button, it set, sent me to a broken help page. Ugh. Which, yeah, which was super helpful, right? And there's nothing there. It just said this link can't be found. And I was like, well, that's, that's great. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so I go to the appeal page. And it's got a little bit of a description, and there's just like your usual contact form. And in the description, it said, okay, you know, it's usually to do with our community policies, which if you click that, it sends you to the community policies, which, of course, is a really big document, like talking about, you know, violence and like pornography and like uh, anything involving children in your content, da, 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 like all these just, I mean, because it's not like I'm totally anti-Facebook. I mean, they have like a billion users, so it's it's a difficult you know, to try and control that whole community, I'm sure like as someone who has communities online, you know yourself, like even just engaging with the people you have, it can be a difficult time. So to try and, you know, to try and control all of this, I know there's going to be mistakes. So I set up my appeal. Uh, one of the things they said, okay, go to your, uh, your page insights to see user feedback. And I was thinking, okay, maybe like if someone reported me, if I go into my page insights where like all your analytics and everything are, maybe there'll be a note saying like, oh, someone reported this post as offensive or whatever. Um, and I went on my page insights, I saw nothing. Like all I saw there was my usual, you know, graphs and numbers and whatever. So I, I had no information. All I had was Facebook telling me you've been restricted for a week. Filed my appeal. And you know how usually if you use a contact form, like you'll get an email, right? Saying, hey, we received your your request or your contact or whatever. We'll get back to you. I got nothing like that. And there was like nothing in my inbox on Facebook or anything. So I had no idea if it went through. So I filed another one with a note saying like, sorry if you get this twice, but I don't know if this is working. Um, and then that was it. Like all I could do was sit and wait in the middle of like trying to promote this new issue, which... Uh, I recently didn't get a grant that I usually get, so this issue, like financially, is already starting off on the wrong foot. Right. Um, and so having this happen, I was like, "Oh wow, cool!" And plus, like, I just, you know, I didn't know what it was, so it just bothered me, like, as a person, to think that, you know, if I upset someone, that's no good and whatever. So, um, I waited a few days, and then I think. Uh, it was like maybe Wednesday. Um, 
I don't know if you noticed, but there's uh, on if you run a page, there's a section called page quality, and it's like it's kind of hidden in like your more menu, like a drop down, uh, and you go on there, and they just sort of give you like an overall idea of like if your page has had any issues in the past or whatever. So normally when I go on there, it says, oh, you've, you've had no breaches. Your page is in perfectly good quality, and it's like a little green box. So I went on on Wednesday, and it said, oh, your page is at risk of being unpublished. Uh, you have uh, – I can't remember exactly how the wording was, but basically the reasoning they gave was for uh, inauthentic behavior. And there was a link to explain this. And when I went into it, it was basically like – Donald Trump's favorite uh, scapegoat of fake news. Like, this is basically what they were talking about was like, oh, you know, you use multiple accounts to like try and make it seem like your posts are more popular than they are, or you're a foreign government interfering in like a local election and all these things. And I was just like, mm, yeah, no, this is not anything I've been doing. And I hadn't used the page in days because it wasn't going anywhere. So it was like, I hadn't been active. And so this was a shock. So when I saw this, uh, I just started scrambling around Facebook to try and find out, okay, is there a way I can talk to someone directly to get an answer to all of this? Because obviously, like, my appeals weren't going anywhere. So I found, like, a, a chat support option or whatever and went into Facebook Messenger, and eventually some guy came on. And uh, I talked to him for a bit. And, I mean, again, you know, in terms of, like, it's a big company. And I've read articles before about, like, some of the people involved in, like, uh, kind of, like, having to review all this content and everything. And, like, it's a really bad job. Like, because people post really terrible things online and, you know, seem to think maybe they can get away with it or whatever. But a lot of the times, like, that stuff has to be reviewed by a person. And so there are people like suffering with serious mental health issues that have worked with these Facebook sort of community, uh, whatever community review policy things. And, um, so I was nice to the guy and I was just like, look, you know, my page has been restricted for a week. I don't know why I've never had an issue before. And now I'm being told that I might be unpublished and I don't understand cause it's like, what the hell is inauthentic behavior? I've never, this is not something I was doing. So basically I kind of ended up running circles with him. Like he just pretty much was like, yeah, you have a restriction on your page and you can't post for a week. And I was like, yeah, I know this. Why? Can you tell me why? Like, did someone report me? I don't need to know a name. Like I don't need to out the whistleblower. That's not what I'm trying to do. I just want to know if someone reported me fine. If, if it was a, you know, a word I used in a post or something, then okay, I'll avoid using that word in the future. But he couldn't tell me. The best he could do was he said, I'll file an appeal for you to get it reviewed again. And I was like, well, I already filed two. Did they get those? And he didn't respond. Like he didn't acknowledge that part. Ugh. So, yeah. So he filed the appeal. And then I think he said within 24 to 48 hours, you'll hear back. So I heard back probably within like 36 hours or something. And it was him again. And he said, okay, you know, uh, I suggest you read our community guidelines and stuff. And he sent me links to all that. And he said, look, here's what the uh, review team said. Basically they came back and said, we reviewed, uh, the account and we've determined that you used a, a portion of Facebook in an abusive manner. Uh, whether or not you feel this way, someone else did. Um, and so that's why you were restricted. However, we've now removed the restriction. So I got the restriction removed a couple days earlier 
And I wrote him back and I was like, look, I still want answers to these questions. Was I reported or was it something I wrote in a post? And if you can't tell me this, can you forward me to someone else? And then I asked him about this inauthentic threat of being unpublished thing. And he wrote me back and basically said, I can't tell you that information. My team doesn't have access to more detailed info. And that's the latest. I just kind of gave up. Like, I haven't pushed back on him again. Um, I did poke around online, and apparently the inauthentic behavior thing, he, his, his excuse was that he said that Facebook sent it to a lot of people running pages to kind of remind them that they should review the community guidelines and everything to make sure they're not doing anything wrong, which I think is kind of bullshit. Um, cause it's a terrible way to say, Hey, just, you know, maybe when you have time, check our community guidelines, just to make sure you're up to, you know, up to snuff with everything. Threatening people to be unpublished is a pretty, pretty terrible way to say, Hey, could you please review our guidelines? <laughs> yeah. So I went online and apparently on November 19th, a whole bunch of pages got this warning and like people from all over the place, like not specific types of pages or anything like that, just a lot of people. And then within hours or a day or so later, they just disappeared. So as far as I can tell, it was a Facebook bug that was just poorly timed because I was also dealing with this restriction and, you know, it just kind of led to me freaking out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what we've kind of, you and I have kind of touched on like over the last week, cause I've been very public about this whole ordeal. And obviously most of my readers and everything are like, what the hell? Like, you know, cause there was a like a a big discussion um, previous to this, so I'm leaning more towards someone reported the page. But the problem is that the discussion, and I mean, I haven't deleted anything. Like, if people are curious, they can go on the Facebook page, and there's a post I did that was supposed to just be about my like farmers market haul that day. But I took a shot of this bag I have that says I may be vegan, but I'm not PETA. And everyone, a couple of people zoned in on that and were like, what's wrong with PETA? And then I went into this big discussion talking with them about my issues and, you know, how I think they've done good work, but I think they also should be questioned about other things and whatever. And so there's a couple of people that took total offense to it, got really pissed off. One person was at it for like three days to the point where I said to her, I was like, I'm worried that you're not sleeping. Like you're in North America and I'm over here and you're still responding. And like, it's gotta be like 3 AM and we've agreed to disagree like several times. And we said, we're not going to get anywhere. So like, you know, go, go sleep. It's okay. Like we're done here. And then she'd write back a while later. And, um, so the, the report or the, the restriction came soon after all of this, but it also came like a minute after I made a post, uh, cause I started using medium. And so I put an old blog post on there, uh, about a previous PETA campaign, which they, in their, I don't know, their marketing glory decided that when president, well, at the time he wasn't president, it was a, a glorious time. Um, <laughs> he, he wasn't president, but this whole, the tape, the access Hollywood tape had come out. So this whole, like, you know, you can grab him by the pussy, whatever thing, if you're famous, it doesn't matter. Uh, this whole thing came out and PETA did this campaign about adopting cats. And so they said, you know, grab a pussy, which is this whole promotion to like adopt a kitten. And so I was, I just talked about how it's like, it's not the greatest way to promote cat adoption. Um, 
So I posted the article, and in the description of the post on Facebook, I said, you know, PETA's grab a pussy campaign is questionable, or something like that. So I thought originally that maybe it was the use of that word that Facebook, just like with an algorithm or whatever, it just kind of got flagged. And they were like, oh, you know, maybe he's doing a sexual post or something. So I thought that's what got me restricted for a week, because the restriction was going to be removed like one minute, you know, like at 11.08 the next Saturday. And I was like, okay, so maybe that's what it was. But the more I like dug into it and the more I talked to this person and when Facebook went and told me I was abusive in some way, I was like, huh. But then of course that brings to question, okay, as you know, creative people and everything, we're all using these platforms because to ignore Facebook is kind of, it's kind of like ignoring Amazon if you're like a writer. Like you just, they own so much of the market that, you know, you kind of, you kind of can't as much as the like indie creator in me would love to go totally independent and everything. Like, you know, in some ways we're back to like the record label way where if you don't go with these certain people, your chance of like massive exposure is really limited. So the problem I have now is that like, if it was someone that reported the page, a page of which I've had for over 10 years, I've spent thousands of dollars with Facebook. Is that all it's going to take is one person reporting the page for me to get knocked down for a week and to lose like a bunch of money in sales and to lose the chance to, you know, continue promoting the magazine and like just to lose my voice on the platform when meanwhile, you know, people are paying for like fake political ads and you got alt-right groups and everything that, apparently aren't going to get shut down <laughs> yeah so it's just it's scary because like now when i get into conversations with people and i mean the magazine obviously is like like talking about sort of contentious issues so now i'm a little like hesitant when i post things because like if i piss someone off and i feel rightly like i feel justified in doing it if all they got to do is go report page and suddenly I'm going to get punished, like, you know, it just, it feels terrible. Plus, I mean, how many companies do you know, customer service wise, if you wrote them and were like, look, I want some answers here. And they said, oh, we can't give you any. How many companies do you know that would actually survive that? Like that would, you know, what would you do? You would go on Facebook and complain about them because it's bullshit, but you can't go on Facebook to complain about Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it's. The, uh, <laughs> we're in a position where we're being fucked <laughs> like yeah. as people that use Facebook the way it's supposed to be used to like share things mm -hmm. but now uh, we're, we can't we have to feed into it <laughs> yep. I'm not using my words very well right now <laughs> <laughs> no but I mean I think that's like your frustration is obvious with it and that's the problem, right? Like, well, the oatmeal cartoon that we, like, that I shared a while later, where, you know, he shows that, like, years ago, it was like, okay, build a website. And that's how you get people. And that was fine. And I mean, I think everyone in the creative field should have a website. And a big part of that is because you can control that. Mm -hmm. And in general, you can control when it's taken down, what's published on it. Like, you have the power over all of it. But now we're in this part. It's kind of like what's happening with streaming, right? Like first there was Netflix and we're like, cool, we don't need to have cable anymore. Awesome. And now 
every freaking media company is going to have their own streaming channel. So we're basically just going to be back to the cable situation where you're going to have to pay for all these different services and you're going to have like a hundred different things. And you got to, you know, okay, well, where's this and how do I watch that and whatever. And so now like, you know, social media came and in the beginning it was cool. Like the reason I signed up to Facebook was because this band I was dealing with was like, look, we did a Facebook event and we got probably an extra 30 or 40 people. And I mean, now personally, I laugh at that because Facebook events now seem kind of useless. Like you'll get, oh, 120 people are going and you get to the day of the event and there's five people and you're like, really? Why? And all of them probably stayed home to watch Netflix, but that's a whole other issue. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, originally we all bought into this social media like platform and everything because it was like, oh, cool. It's a way to reach more people. And if you do great work and everything, then maybe it'll get out there to a lot of places. And it, it like the, the opportunity is there. I mean, you hear the stories of this person or that person who had like whatever, just good luck. And suddenly they're like signed to a record deal or they've got like a, a book deal or something because, you know, everything went viral. But eventually, and Facebook is a really big example of it eventually it got to the point where if you don't pay them your post is going nowhere and i mean as much as like i know pay other pages that have a bigger audience than me and everything but if you look at like how many comments and everything they have on their posts their engagement is still like maybe one to five percent of their total number which is terrible i mean you go and spend years or whatever so long. You put so much time into building an audience. And, I mean, for me at least, I regularly am only reaching, like, maybe 10% of them at the most. And the rest of them, like, unless I pay Facebook to boost a post, it's going nowhere. And people are so used to just being on their phones and looking at their news feed that they just kind of forget, right? Like, I mean, I'll see pictures from the same five people And then I forget that, you know, I haven't seen posts from, say, one of my good friends because Facebook hasn't shown it to me. But for years now, he felt like, oh, well, this is how I connect with people. So I'll keep in touch with everybody through Facebook. And like most people don't go on websites to check things or, you know, maybe if you're lucky, you have a newsletter and people follow that. But then you go to fight against like spam rules and everything that are getting tighter and filtering more of that stuff. So, you know, if you send it a newsletter, you kind of just got to hope <laughs> that it gets most people's inbox. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is kind of like, it's just really shown me that I do need to be pushing these other platforms because like, as much as the potential. And I mean, I do complain a lot about Facebook, but I still like most of my sales come through Facebook. Like even if it's a small percentage of the audience I have there, it still ends up being more money than I make through other things. I mean, my website is probably the second biggest one and I should probably be trying to focus on how to build that. But in this day and age, you know, how do you spread the word if you're not posting on Facebook or tweeting or whatever, right? Like, I mean, they're all, they're all pay to play now. Like, I mean, Instagram is, Twitter is, Pinterest is, I don't think Tumblr is, but I mean, I don't know. I still use Tumblr a bit, but it's not exactly like the big, the big platform that it was. 
Yeah, I, I love I having this feeling of like, oh, well, well, let's get to the solution. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if there is one. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, you know, I mean, like, I think the Patreon thing is, is a good possibility. Mm-hmm. But, like, I will say that, say, on Kickstarter, like, when I ran the Kickstarter, I found that I did get some random backers, like, through the Kickstarter platform. But Patreon, and they've talked about it before, like they purposely, they don't sort of like promote projects and stuff. Like that's not what they're about. They're more about like you point people to the Patreon page. Whereas when I was running the Kickstarter, like they, you know, for a day or something, they picked me as like a a campaign to, to look at or whatever. So I got people that maybe were just looking for vegan campaigns or whatever, and they found the magazine. Whereas with Patreon, like, unless you're really pushing people towards it, I mean, I haven't really had any, like, random patrons sign up or anything because I haven't been talking about the campaign a lot. So, I mean, I think, like, I like the idea of a patron system, even though to talk about, like, dating ourselves, that is, like, an incredibly old system. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there is that thing, right? Like, you you do need that base of people who are really there to back you and everything. But at the same time, unless you have a lot of those people, you also need the random people who are just going to like buy a single or pick up an issue just to check it out or whatever. Right. Like you can't, I mean, I don't know how it is for you, but I know I can't live off my friends and family for the rest of my life. Like, the Kickstarter, although it was successfully funded, a large majority of it was people I knew. And that's great. But if I'm doing a magazine that's trying to, like, you know, in the, the grand scheme of things, help change the world, my friends and family already know, you know, they've already heard me rambling on about oppression and racism and sexism and all that. So they don't, you know, it's kind of preaching to the choir. So a platform like Facebook in theory is supposed to allow you to access all these random people. But, you know, I mean, they got to make, well, I don't think they really need to make money anymore. They've definitely got enough, but like at the end of the day, it's an advertising platform and it's one of the biggest, one of the biggest like things that duped people ever, because if you called someone and said, Oh, do you have time to do a five minute survey? You'd get hung up on, but Facebook was like, oh, well, we connect, can connect you to your high school friends and we can tell you what, you know, whether or not you're with Gryffindor or Slytherin if you do this quiz. By the way, we're going to have access to your information, but hey, we'll show you a neat little badge that you can post on your Facebook wall. And everyone goes there and like gives all this info and then, you know, that leads to advertising. Right. Which, funny enough, as someone trying to, you know, promote the things I do, there is a very big like draw to the ability to target people and everything. Like I've run ads before, um, through Facebook and I actually haven't had much success. Like I've had, you know, people have seen them and maybe clicked on things, but they've rarely ever bought stuff. So it's kind of been a waste of money, but the potential to be able to like target people, like I could target people and be like, okay, I want to target people that are friends of fans of the magazine's page and maybe they only live in Romania and they're like from, you know, 20 to 27 years old and they're female 
and whatever, right? Like I can do all of that, which is amazing, but also incredibly creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I wonder, like, I I think our job Mm -hmm. is to figure out what we do next. Like it, Mm -hmm. I'm looking like I I was going to quote this Jane Sibri newsletter because she's talking about, I don't know, it doesn't really apply. It's the thing that, it's a little too esoteric <laughs> for what I'm looking for. <laughs> but, you know, I think, like, some of these things are, you know, I'm starting to do more live performances, and I feel like somehow that's good. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, like somehow getting away from the Facebook thing, but guess how I'm trying to promote the live performances? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, this is this is why I've done those tours, like mm-hmm. partially because I just wanted to be out on the road and and partially because I still like I love the, the music scene and I, I like booking shows and everything. Um, but that's part of why I did the tours is because I wanted to be at that like merchandise table sitting there and having someone come up and be like, hey, what's this about or, you know, whatever. And then having that conversation and handing them like a download card or selling like a tote bag or whatever to them. I would rather do that than, you know, sit on Facebook and like debate with someone whether or not like I should be able to criticize an animal rights organization. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, I like, I do, I do feel like I've, I've got some really solid followers thanks to like engagement on Facebook and everything, but I would still rather, be out there like if i could afford it i would be at all the veg festivals and you know tabling and all of that stuff to get out in front of people and that's part of why i want to go back to print is because i feel like if the magazine was in like your little sort of indie bookshops and like uh like anarchist info shops and like vegan cafes and stuff i feel like that would be a better way to reach people and i also feel like people would be a little more inclined to buy it if they actually held on to it and saw it um, versus, you know, this sort of digital culture where it's just like, what, why would I pay for this? I can get it for free. Like, yeah, you know, that sort of idea. Um, and I mean, I've had people like I've had weird stories. I've connected with people like this woman that runs a vegan bake shop in Toronto actually knew about the magazine because years before she had a, she found a copy of it or bought a copy of it at this like, sort of vegan anarchist co-op in Winnipeg, which is like, I mean, for the States, we're basically talking like the difference between say someone in New York and like running a business who happened to be in Chicago and found the magazine in like a bookstore there. Like there's a bit of a distance, but it happened over years. And like, so she already knew about the magazine, but I had no idea that she knew because like the magazine was sort of selling itself. I wasn't involved at all. Right. And like, I didn't have to pay Facebook or anything like that, but I mean, in terms of the alternative, like, I'm not entirely sure. I do think something like a newsletter and your website and everything is very important. And, like, if you're doing these, like, real-life shows, like if you're doing an art exhibit or whatever, you should have a sign-up sheet for your newsletter. Because, I mean, as much as, like, a like on a Facebook page isn't really that much of an investment, but someone giving you their email address is a pretty big deal yeah. in this day and age. 
I mean, to go back to like that movie and talking about like, you know, dating and everything, like trying to get someone's number was a big deal back then. But I feel like maybe now people exchange emails. I don't know. I haven't really been involved in the dating <laughs> ring either. Um, but it's a very like, you know, because you get so much shit in your inbox that like to openly say, look, I want you to send me stuff is a pretty big deal. So I feel like those are still like, I mean, they've been around for a long time, like, but there's still a very good way to do it. It's just, it's, yeah. I mean, whether or not it's still, it's, it can't give you the potential reach that Facebook can, but with the way things are going, like you either pay for it or you run the risk of getting shut down for a week because someone, you know, feels that you shouldn't question another animal rights group. Um, <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's not like, it's not really worth it. And I mean, there were, there are alternative social, social networks. There was one called, uh, what was Ello? Oh yeah. I think. Yeah. You remember that one? Yeah. It started up a long time ago. They were all like, we're not going to have ads. We're here about the arts and da 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 da. I, I signed up partially just to like reserve the tofu name because that's a whole other discussion. Actually, I've got like, I'm actually fighting a couple groups that are trying to use the tofu magazine name because apparently they didn't bother to Google whether or not it was already in use. Um, so I signed up just so that I could kind of reserve like a tofu magazine page or whatever. And the only post I think I put on my public profile, I just said crickets, <laughs> like just cause there's no one on it. Like no one's using it. And every now and then I still get people liking it. And when I went to check, most of them are just like porn bots so it's just like porn pages. Um, but I mean, that was a platform that was supposed to be an alternative that was supposed to be more about like, if you make good content, it will get out, it will be shown to people, but no one moved over to it. So, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, actually in this movie, they talk about MySpace, which I, I laughed when I heard it. Cause it was like, Oh shit, that's right. That was a thing. Um, and I mean, I know musicians who spent countless hours building their MySpace pages and then one day, poof, this is all gone. I mean, sure. Justin Timberlake bought it and they went to redo it. But then when they booted it up again, they were like, Oh, by the way, all your old content's gone. Right. Like it's just a good example, even though people think, Oh, well, Facebook will never disappear. I mean, maybe it won't, but you know, I mean, when I started Instagram, it was the hip and cool thing. And then suddenly Snapchat started kind of to, you know, turn people away from it. And now there's TikTok and whatever, right? Like, I don't know. It's just whatever platform you try and build on a couple of years from now is probably not going to be as good as it was. <laughs> but in theory, your website and your newsletter should kind of remain a pretty solid foundation yeah, but, I think, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like that's our thing. Like our websites, yeah. our uh, e uh, email lists, and showing up in person. Like when I think about when I did my tour too for the animal show, people were really excited. Like, and it mm -hmm. forced me like to go to a new city and like, okay, how do I tell people? Because I wasn't connected <laughs> with people in that city on Facebook. So I would yeah. do Facebook groups and whatnot, but I printed up postcards and went to stores that I thought would have vegan, like some kind of vegan connection and just start talking to people. And yeah. people were kind of excited for that. Like 
there was there was a group of people that came to my show in LA that were just like I was desperate like for money <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I don't know they I think they must have just figured that I must be or what but like they were like we want to buy like they were trying they were buying t-shirts and I was like ah all I have is extra large and of this design and they're like okay we'll take it we can all use it as a mm-hmm. sleeping shirt like they were excited to like <laughs> just give me some money you know like yep. at so I, there's hope, I guess. I guess, I don't know if I'm just trying to force some hope here, but like, we, like, because we're going to keep doing the stuff that we do, right? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like you're going to quit doing the magazine. And I'm I not going to quit yeah. doing my shit. <laughs> Even though, like, maybe well, in some levels we should. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there, I think there's definitely, like, we we've got a flaw or whatever. Anyone in the creative world, there's a little something off. And, but I think like the world needs that. And I mean, I go through this every time I put it on an issue and I feel like most of my friends who put out albums and stuff, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, this is the greatest thing I've done. Like, I'm super happy with this. So many people worked so hard with it and now I'm going to put it out there and it's going to be amazing and everyone will love it. And then you put it out and you're like five likes. What? And it's my mom, my sister and like my (laughs) uncle. No, fuck. Yeah. Where, where are you, world? Give me love. And so you spend a little while pushing it. And then, like, at least for me, I go through like a week or two where I'm just like, that's it. I'm fucking done. I'm just going to watch Netflix. I don't want to get back into doing another issue. This is bullshit. And then, you know, a little bit more time goes by. And then I get an idea for an issue where I see the cover in my head and I'm like, oh, damn it. I'm doing this again, aren't I? Yeah. And, you know, and then you just right there at it all again because. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine not doing it, even though in many ways the writing's on the wall and the writing's on my credit card for sure. Um, but, yeah, it's weird because, I mean, they're, like that's the thing. I always said, like, with the magazine, and I feel like a lot of people it's the same way with, like, whether or not it's painting or music or whatever, it's like, the, the base idea is if you can even just reach one person and change their lives or speak to them and help them through something or have them go like, oh, my God, I agree with you. I've never like seen this or heard this or read this in this way. Like, yes, this is how I feel. If you can connect with them, then you're like, yes, this is all worth it. I mean, realistically, when your credit card bill or your power bill comes, you, you still got to answer those calls. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can't look at the credit card company. People are like, but look, I touched someone who like in LA who really needed help. And now they like, now they know there's someone out there like them and the credit card company's not going to care. But, um, <laughs> I mean, so like I've had those stories and part of it has been thanks to social networks, but another part of it is, yeah, that like being in front of somebody and, you know, just, I mean, I guess again, it's just that grassroots stuff, right? It's just, the digital version is yeah a website or a newsletter or like i mean the zine stuff that you're doing mm-hmm. i think it's awesome i mean like there's a reason why that started what god decades ago like people were doing that and putting them in little cafes and everything and mailing them out to people and stuff and i think it's a great thing and i mean yeah like i don't know it's 
I don't think I don't think there really is like a solid answer. And as much as I'm always about like fighting the big machine and everything, I don't know if we're ever gonna come like be able to totally like wrestle Facebook into doing what we want it to do. Um or if we can build like a completely different alternative that the general world will embrace. But I think there's definitely an importance in like foster being sure that you foster that community that is, you know, out there looking for you and like put, put time into your website and your newsletter and being out there in person, because those people are probably going to be more interested in like long-term connection than some random person that just happened to see your Facebook post and might be like, Oh cool. And then two seconds later they're distracted by a cat in a box. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, you just kind of got to, you just got to spend more time making less money <laughs> doing all the things to try and be like, look, my work is amazing and I love it. Pay attention to it. Yeah. And oh, then, man. But it's it's fun, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I loved the last week or two with Facebook restricting me and calling me abusive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, listen, yeah. we should we should wrap this thing up. I I like it's funny that I'm part of me is like we can't stop. We didn't say enough positive stuff. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Yeah, if we got to. Oh, we got to end on a good note, right? I yeah. mean, well, okay. Here's here's the good note. I mean, for people who don't know, we we alluded to it, but you and I met by me being on the first tofu tour, showing up in New York going to an ice cream parlor that I knew about probably through herbivore magazine or something like that because they were a vegan ice cream place. And I said, okay, I'm going to go drop off like five copies of the magazine at this ice cream place. You just happened to be there at the same time. And what was it? I think you were doing a radio show at the time. No, it was this podcast. Oh, okay. And you were doing the podcast. And so we just started talking and that was it. And then how many years later, like we kept in touch through Facebook and all of that. So many years later, I go and do another tour and you were willing kindly enough to help out with a show in New York. And so we do another show together. And I mean, I didn't put two and two together. I didn't actually realize that you were that random guy who like took a copy of the <laughs> magazine and everything. But I mean, that's, that's all because you know, I mean, I guess maybe you were there for ice cream. I don't know if you were there to promote something or anything, but I mean, I was like, I got out, like you said, with your postcards, I got out and went to places that I thought would be keen on vegan stuff, not knowing whether or not I just simply, the you know, the magazine would get tossed aside or what would happen to it. But lo and behold, like over 10 years later, here we are talking through the magic of the internet and you know, trying to help each other and all that stuff. So I don't know. I think that's, that's a positive note. Maybe. Uh, I think it is. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> proof of what we were saying a second ago, right? Like, yeah. Um, like showing up with, and I think that humans, and that goes both ways, right? Like not only just as the creative person, but as the audience or the consumer as well, like, I know Netflix has a lot of great content, but I mean, Game of Thrones is over now. And yes, I know they're not on the same whatever, but Game of Thrones is over now. So you have any, you don't have that excuse. 
So there's more reason to go outside and do things. Don't sign up to Disney Plus and all those other ones. And next thing you know, you're just going to be bogged down in so many shows you need to stay home and watch. Even if you are an artist who's creating a lot of stuff, just get out and try and connect with other people. Um, and I mean, I try to do this with the musicians I was working with in the industry. Like we tried to go out. I mean, we went like a week and a half straight, I think. And there was a show every night somewhere in the city that we could go to, like whether or not it was like an open mic or like a specific show, we just went out to try and connect with people. And I mean, maybe all the creative people don't have a lot of money to back you, but like, it's just, you know, it's helpful to be out there to show support for those people. And maybe someday down the road, that'll lead to other things for you or like you can connect with their audience and whatever. I mean, I, I just think, yeah, on both ends, get out in the real world, do things, but then also get out in the real world and support things like, yeah. You know, and if, and yeah. even if you can't get out in the real world and you're a person that knows somebody, I, I tell I, every now and then I post this on Facebook and I should say it to people in person. If you see like a friend of yours saying, Hey, I made a podcast. Someone, mm -hmm. anyone listen to it? Or <laughs> I made a magazine or I made this or that. Like go to them, look at yeah. their thing and just tell them you did like, that's it. Like, I don't know, like, does this happen to you if someone, like, out of the blue sends you a message about something you did? Like, I don't care if they say, like, just some dumb bullshit about it. I'm so excited someone noticed I put a thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Somewhere. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, I've had people tell me that. Like, even with the newsletter, some people will write me. Like, I did, I think I did a thing about, like, I put out in the newsletter and talked about Black Lives Matter because there had just been a shooting and someone was like, I'm so happy that you did this. Like, thank you. And I was just like, wow, cool. Cause like with the newsletter, it's weird. Cause you send it out and maybe you can obsess over the stats, but you never like, it's not like writing an email to somebody cause usually they write back. But with the newsletter, it's usually not a back and forth. Right. So when you do have someone write you and be like, thank you for this. I'm like, Oh my God, someone reads it. Cool. That's great. Um, I actually, in terms of like sharing other people's stuff, like I always try and share like the illustrators that work on the magazine. I always try and do a post for them to be like, look, here's the artwork that they did. Here's their pages. Please go follow them and look up stuff. There's actually one where a good friend of mine did some artwork and I posted about, or I shared one of his posts because he did this, um, I think in October there's like draw Halloween or whatever. It's like this month long sort of horror themed drawing thing where you just get like a prompt every day and it's like okay draw like a ghost and people will just draw these things so he did this whole series and he sold the originals and i just posted about it i was like hey look this guy does great work he's you know a supporter of the magazine and another one of my friends actually went and bought like i don't know how many it was it was like a half a dozen pieces or something and so then this illustrator wrote me and was like oh my god like thank you so much for sharing this and you know like i just made a bunch of money and like he's got a you know a small family that he's trying to raise and everything and i was like oh cool so it worked yay like, yeah yeah you know it, it does help every now and then but yeah i guess that's it right you know support everybody do yeah do the things and support other people doing the things exactly and, and look for the things don't depend on social media to tell you about them because the stuff you're going to see through there for one thing is probably what people are paying to tell you about. And another thing isn't going to push you out of your bubble at all. 
Like they've gotten very good at showing you just exactly what you want to see. And I think that's obviously a big problem, say politically and everything like in the world we're in now. Yeah. So every now and then just go out on the broad internet and poke around and, you know, find out about different musicians or artists or whatever. And you'll see tons of stuff that is really quite amazing that, you know, maybe they don't have the, the ability to put it out there on Facebook and everything. Yeah. And there are definitely tons of creatives that don't understand social media. So if you went out in the real world, you'll probably find some amazing stuff that people don't even have a Facebook page. <laughs> if, uh, if people want to support your things, where could they go to do that? <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your website? I'm going to say tofumagazine.com. That, that's it. That's all I'm going to give you. That's perfect. Don't, yeah. Don't go to the social media pages. I could be restricted by tomorrow for all I know. Yeah, and that's why it's important to have our own websites. And like, I host my own podcast too. It's not on some network somewhere because yeah. I always have. I'm always at least in control of that. Yeah, boy. That's all right. Idea, yeah. <laughs> all right. We should wrap this thing up. Probably. Uh, I mean, thanks so much like for what double over the time we had originally thought it would be. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah, I mean, it's the beauty of the internet. At least you're not, you know, you're not stuck to, like, a television format. We didn't have to cut to an ad or anything, so it's yeah, okay. we're good. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me.